0: Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. I'm Zach Lawhorn from Show Me Opportunity, and today I'm joined by Jacob Puckett, David Stokes, and Corianna Beyer from the Show Me Institute. Jacob, we've got some news on the Loop Trolley. Breaking news.
1: The East-West Gateway Commission decided not to give the Loop Trolley another $1.3 million uh, of, of, of federal grants to help keep the trolley running. And, and the best part of this is there was one East-West Gateway board member that asked this this one short question that summed up everything we've been saying at the Shoming Institute for the past several years on this. He said, "Why is it always other people's money?" And and you know, that's really what the tro- the trolley's been trying to get is just other people's money from different uh, local governments, any any type of tax break that they can get or handout. Uh, they've gotten fifty one million dollars worth of it so far, but. You know, this could be uh, what looks right now to be a stop for that. And, you know, it's not knowing what the future of the trolley is going to be. It, It obviously still physically exists. So trolley backers could go to private investors to try to get it back up. They could even try to stay local and go to businesses on the loop who might think that having the trolley running is good for their business and try to get them to put some of the money up front. Um, but as of now, we don't know what the future of the trolley will be.
2: Jacob, is is there a real risk that the federal government will demand some of their money back since the trolley is not operating now? I mean, is that a people have talked about that? Is that a real concern? And if so, who owes that money?
1: That is a concern. Uh, the Federal Highway Administration has uh, dangled that threat out a few times to try to claw twenty five million dollars back, and. I, I believe the Loop Trolley um, Company, which runs the Loop Trolley Transportation Development District, where they get money from a 1% sales tax on the loop, uh, they would be the ones on the hook uh, to pay back that
2: $25 million. Cause it, goes, it goes without saying that they don't have $25 million.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the trolley I mean, wouldn't be running right now if they had $25 million.
2: So are they just going to keep the, pay it off one- a one percent sales tax at a time, like a few hundred thousand dollars a year in tax collections to to pay it off. Do they declare bankruptcy? Is this is this too far in the future to know?
1: I think it's a bit too far in the future to know. Uh, it seems like we're at a point where not even the backers of the trolley expected to be as of just a few years ago.
0: Do you think this could hurt the city when applying for federal grants in the future? That this project, and I'll we'll see what happens in the future, but. I think we can safely classify this as a failure. Do you think that when the city applies for transportation grants in the future, that this will be taken into account?
1: I think a good distinction to make is that this is generally classified as a tourism project rather than like a public transit uh, grant that you would have metro running, whether it's the, the light rail in the city or the bus lines. Uh, but pl- plenty of federal money is still coming into St. Louis. Um, with, with the recent stimulus funds, the city got, I think, $500 million or, or, or is going to get that amount of money. I, I I don't know. I've heard that concern put out there too, but it, it's more of a tourism thing than anything else.
3: And if it gets people to think twice about taking taxpayer dollars for these little trinket ideas like the trolley, then maybe that's a good
2: thing. <laughs> right, and you think they can waste $50 million- $50 million to the trolley, where do you see the money they can waste for the $500 million they got?
0: <laughs> <laughs> ten, uh, ten trolleys. <laughs> so now the the ball is in the court of the the company that runs the trolley, right? If there's right. going to be any action moving forward, it's got to come from them.
1: Yeah. This, this was their big plan uh, to relieve congestion and improve air quality and get the trolley back running. Yeah, the people who had the authority to give them that money said no. By state is not going to take over its operations, so I I don't know where they'll turn to next.
0: All right, Coriana, and David, last week we spent a day in beautiful Ladue, Missouri, interviewing people about food truck restrictions, and Coriana, I think you were at a council meeting last night, so can you update us on what's going on in Ladue and food trucks?
3: yeah so um as we talked about before ladue doesn't currently allow food trucks to operate but um, some people on the planning and zoning commission and the city council are trying to change that and allow food trucks to operate in some capacity so um at first we had gone to a city council meeting where there was a uh, still pretty strict uh, proposal to allow food trucks to operate only in special events where they'd have to uh, pay a fee get a special events permit And at private residential events, they were limited to one food truck, which if you pretty much ask anyone defeats the purpose of a food truck, the whole point is that you get a lot of like small options. So having one totally defeats that purpose. So the city council uh, sort of agreed with that and they didn't love all of those restrictions. They thought they were too strict and they do like the idea of food trucks and what comes with them. So they sent it back to the planning and zoning commission with some suggestions to lower the cost of what the food trucks would have to pay from $50 to $25 a year for their license to operate in Ladue. And they also upped that um, number of food trucks from one to, I believe, seven or eight. And so a significant uh, raise there. So we, like you said, we filmed this video. We talked to people. I mean, people like food trucks. It's a a billion-dollar industry now, and especially during COVID when you know eating outside was popular and it was just easy to have all these simple varieties where you could walk around afterwards. Uh, the food truck industry really grew. It was able to kind of pivot really well during this really weird time that we were in. So it's a good time for Ladue to open the door for food trucks.
0: David, are the restrictions in Ladue similar to the restrictions you've talked about that were in Osage Beach, Missouri?
2: Well, the restrictions in the Duke currently are extreme. Like, food trucks are just not allowed at all in in the city. I think under current law, if you had, like, a carnival or a special event, you could go bring them in for the purposes of that special event only.
3: Yeah, you can bring them in and um, buy them out. So you would, like, basically – Buy out the food truck so that, like, you know, all the kids at the school get a free snow cone or something like that. So they are not, they don't do t- cash transactions.
2: But they're not allowed to just come in on their own at all, even if a property owner wanted one to come in to, you know, sometimes you see in cities, you know, property owners that don't sell food like a food truck to come park next to the park, let's say a bar park next to their, the bar in their parking lot. And then all of a sudden patrons of the bar can get food from the food truck or drinks at at the bar. And there's many other examples like that. So right now the dude doesn't, basically doesn't allow them at all. And there are, there are too many other cities like that in the region. Most cities over the past decade uh, have started to allow them. Some cities are better at it than others. In Lake Ozark, which is I think the city in the Lake of the Ozark region you're referring to, in Lake Ozark they've passed a law allowing them, except on the Strip, which is a very crowded and, and tight part of the part of that city. People who go to Lake of the Ozarks are certainly familiar with the, the Strip there. Uh, I'd like to see them allowed on the Strip within certain, you know, they're allowed. The city has a right to set certain basic safety and traffic regulations so a food truck doesn't, you know, block up traffic on a busy night. But I'd like to see it expanded. We'd like to see it expanded everywhere. We think food trucks should basically be allowed everywhere as long as they're not causing a a traffic jam or blocking the access for emergency vehicles or or the like. The the cities have a right to set that type of rule. But other than that, it's a very good thing that the Ladue City Council and the Ladue Planning and Zoning Commission, that's where Coriana was at last night, uh they seem to be moving forward with the idea of expanding the use of food trucks in in ladue. i don't know if they'll go as far as uh show me institute would suggest but they s- appear to be going much further than they are at now
0: so is there a concern that is primary over the other is it the in ladue is it the traffic concern or is it the impact on brick and mortar restaurants and competition is it a mix uh what what's your sense
3: I think it's um, a little bit more of just a, a fear of the unknown of kind of how to regulate or what will happen once they let the food trucks in there. I think that there are traffic concerns, but it's more that they just don't know what their city will look like when they have these food trucks. Will they have a ton of people complaining because they're in the way of traffic? Will they have business owners complaining? It is just a new industry that they haven't really had to deal with our workaround yet. So there's a lot of information to gather before you make a decision that lets a whole new industry come in. But it doesn't seem to me that uh, specifically this council is all that worried with the, the competition aspect. I think they do view the food trucks as like an innovative business. You know, those people, they have, they have workers, they're entrepreneurs, they are just as like, they have the right and are, are just as willing to go out and so- serve consumers and should compete with the other uh, businesses out there.
2: Unlike you know the Central West End, uh, Kansas City, Lake of the Ozarks, there's not a whole lot of restaurants in in Ladue. There's only, there's only about five, uh, if off the top of my head, and that's that's counting the IHOP. So, <laughs> so the the others are, are great restaurants. They're well known. Truffles. I mean, we can name them all: Truffles, Sportsmans, Lester's, and the the Pasta House. Uh, so it's not a lot, and I don't think there's much concern that these food trucks are going to inhibit the the brisk business that those five very popular restaurants restaurants do and I'm with Coriana listening to the comments it's much more about it's much more about appropriately licensing them in a way that Ladu can keep track of the sales tax money owed and the license fees owed and much more I think about concerns about traffic and congestion on the mini especially on the many private narrow type private lanes of Ladu it's a it's a legitimate it's a legitimate thing to discuss. Uh, but very little about restaurant protection. You saw a lot of that in Clayton uh, a few years back when Clayton was debating food trucks. And I'm sure in Kansas City and St. Louis City, you get a lot of that there as well.
0: So what's next?
3: Well.
2: Well, they tabled all of the things last night. They didn't vote at the Planning and Commission meeting last night. So I think what's next is the Planning and Zoning Commission is taking Everything they heard, including Coriana's testimony on the subject, which is available at showmeinstitute.org, and uh, they'll vote and decide on things in the next month or two to forward to the council to make law.
0: And as Coriana mentioned, that video can also be found at showmeinstitute.org. David, next week, big day for you, Election Day. It's Munis- always a big day. It's always
2: a big day in Big Dave's world. <laughs> but
0: but for for you, for the Director of Municipal Policy, these, these off-year... Elections. This this is your Super Bowl, right? You're getting excited. There's there's some. So
2: that's just such a sad commentary (laughs) on my on my life, right there. (laughs) Uh,
0: So uh, what's going on uh, in Missouri next week with special elections?
2: Well, we've got some. We have some very obscure, uh, odd-numbered year November elections. Uh, The ones I've been following and familiar with are in Jackson County and St. Louis County. Uh, I'm sure there are some in rural parts of of missouri and various counties there but because there's no there's no central database for it all like you can't go to the missouri secretary of state's website and see every uh, easy list for every county and ballotpedia might cover the large counties but they don't you know they don't cover worth county very much in in north central missouri so we're familiar with the ones in in st louis and in jackson county and it's very interesting there's a there's a Decent-sized property tax increase in Ladue, to go back to our Ladue discussion. And, you know, if you take what happened two months ago when Frontenac neighboring cities to Ladue, Frontenac and Clayton both had property tax increases on the ballot. And, you know, Frontenac had a huge tax increase, which I thought was much more than necessary, and that was passed by the voters. And then Clayton had a very modest property tax increase, which was shot down by the voters. So I got no idea what's going to happen in Ladue since they're sort of in the middle here but it will be interesting to see how the voters react to what conceivably should happen, the vote on Tuesday the 2nd, should be held. Property tax bills will probably arrive in people's mailboxes on Monday, November 1st, so we'll see how that affects the vote on Tuesday the 2nd. In Kirkwood, and Jacob has been covering this closely as well, there's a 1% sales tax to fund transportation improvements, roads, sidewalks, et cetera, as part of a transportation development district in Kirkwood. And that will be a, a very interesting vote. We give, I think, TDDs and sales taxes are a bad way to fund transportation, uh, but we give the city of Kirkwood credit for letting the whole city vote on it instead of trying to gerrymander some typical uh, Im, Im, improperly done gerrymander, TDD, or CID district as is usually done. What do you
1: yeah, that's, that's one thing that appears to be better about this TDD than others. Uh, it's being sought by the city in connection with their special business, special business district uh, rather than by uh, a developer or a collection of developers. The whole city will vote on it. But like David was saying, there are better ways to fund road uh, transportation maintenance than through sales taxes. The goal is to best connect the way you pay for the roads with the usage of the roads. And something that municipalities like Kirkwood can do is to consider local fuel taxes. Uh, Seven cities in Missouri currently have one. None are higher than two cents per gallon. Uh, So from my estimates, if Kirkwood passed one, uh, a local fuel tax on both gasoline and diesel fuel at two cents a gallon, they could raise about a quarter of a million dollars each year. And this money is constitutionally required to be spent on road maintenance, so it cuts down on uh, the chance for some financial malfeasance. Um, you know, but there, there are options for how municipalities can fund their transportation needs, and uh, we think that local fuel taxes uh, are one option that should be considered.
2: Some other votes around the state are, or at least in Jackson County and St. Louis County, you have the cities of the suburbs of Raytown. Uh, Lone Jack in Jackson County, and then Lakeshire in St. Louis County are all voting on use taxes, which is simply a sales tax on goods you purchase online. And this is particularly important now because the legislature just passed the bill in the most recent session mandating sales tax collections for online purchases in Missouri. We were one of the last states to do so. But in order to collect that money, uh, cities and counties have to have their voters approve a use tax Uh, to do so. And, and lots of cities and counties have put that up to vote over the past decade or longer. Many of them it's passed, a few, it gets rejected. But we, I would expect to see with the Wayfair legislation passed uh, several months ago, that next year in 2022, we will see an enormous number of cities and counties putting use tax proposals on the ballot in in the April elections. And it'll be interesting to see as sort of a guide to how that's going to go, how voters in Lakeshire, Lone Jack and Raytown, and I'm certain there are some more rural cities and counties in Missouri have the same question on the ballot next week as well, I'm just not aware of that. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how voters decide on that. We think it's good policy to have as wide a tax base as possible, and that now should include internet sales, and I would like to see the cities where it's passed, or counties where it's passed. You know, especially if it's collecting a substantial sum of money. In a small town like Lakeshire or Lone Jack, it might not be very much money. But in ones where it is, Raytown's a fairly big suburb. I'd like to see it offset by the city officials reducing their property taxes a little bit. to off, So it's not a windfall for the cities. But I think this is something we'll be talking an awful lot about in February and March of, of next year. And then the final vote, another tiny suburb, uh, Bella Villa. In South Saint Louis County, what's interesting about that is they have an absolutely enormous property tax increase on the ballot uh, to to go from a property tax rate of zero for their for real estate homes in their community up to a dollar per hundred of assessed valuation. That is a as a, well percentage wise it's infinite because you're going from zero to a dollar. But either even in real terms, that's an enormous increase. It'll be very interesting to see if the people of Belleville are, are up for that or not. That's a big tax increase, even on a rather modest home.
0: And it's a big tax increase. It's an off-year election. Turnout's going to be low, right?
2: Turnout's <laughs> going to be tiny. And that raises the question, you know, should you be having these votes in such obscure special elections? And I would say no. I would say these, these elections would be far better off if they were all held in the standard April municipal election date each year in Missouri for local governments.
0: All right, before we move to wrap up, uh, I want to go around and um, ask all of your opinion on the ending of Daylight Savings Time next Sunday. There is, uh, I believe, Arizona and Hawaii don't have um, Daylight Savings Time, don't recognize Daylight Savings Time. Uh, you're all researchers, experts, smart people. <laughs> I want to go around. Jacob, uh Thumbs up, thumbs down. Daylight savings time.
1: As someone who does not enjoy sleeping, um, let's minimize the amount of time that is possible to sleep. Whichever whichever direction that puts me in. What it's
0: wildly unpopular <laughs> opinion? <laughs>
3: yeah. What?
0: Um, okay. So you're you're you're
1: good. You want to keep daylight savings time. Well, what, what what is the one coming up? Does it it gives us more time to be awake? We fall back. Well, well I mean, it, you, it gets you know.
3: darker now in the evening instead of being dark in the morning.
1: Right. We should just expand sunlight—24-hour sunlight. Okay, you work on that. <laughs> okay, we'll so, work on daylight savings.
3: <laughs>
0: move to Alaska is what I'm saying. Right, that's one vote for changing the fabric of the universe <laughs> to allow for more yeah. sunlight. <laughs> David,
2: oh, ab- absolutely, get rid of daylight savings time. I ha- I hate da- daylight savings time. It's so it's so ridiculous. It's a uh, count me in top of the line for getting rid of it in- entirely
0: so what's your what's your gripe with it are you are you do you just not like the the change the jolt that you get from the change or do you uh, are you a, a morning person and you want the light in the morning year round no i
2: just I just let's just let time be time like <laughs> time, time is time and how and how it goes like noon is when the sun is directly above you, and everything goes on time from from the declaration of what is noon. I don't think we have a lot to learn from China in the United States, but you know, one time zone and no daylight. I don't think they have daylight savings time. We could we could simplify that a, a little bit here. Not a huge fan of time zones either. But that's another that's another issue.
0: That'll be subscriber only content. It'll be behind the paywall at showmeinstitute.org. Coriana?
3: As someone who really likes sleeping, I particularly like this uh fall back daylight savings, but uh the spring forward one that one hurts a little bit. Um, but I, I like, I'm a morning person now, uh, um, so I like more daylight in the mornings, so I will say, after work, it just seems like, obviously, I just should go to sleep, 5.30 p.m.
2: No, I hate daylight, same thing, but I did always enjoy, especially in my, my younger, younger days, like, you were out with your friends on, on the spring one, it was like, you were out at your friends at, at. Humphreys by or, or Vitos or Harpos in Columbia, and all of a sudden at like 12:30 on a Saturday night, it it became yeah you get It became 11:30 a <laughs> and everything was open for an extra for an extra hour. Uh, that was that was the best part of, of daylight savings time in the spring. S-
1: since it's on a Saturday uh, in the fall, the best thing you can hope for is to have a lot of really good college football games scheduled for late at night. So it makes it easier to watch those.
0: Yeah, I will say that the automated change of uh, the time on your phone, I think, softens blow a little bit because when people would forget to, you well, know,
3: sometimes I don't even know what's happening,
0: right? And you know that six months later, and that clock on your microwave is still <laughs> still, still wrong. Yeah, <laughs> still wrong. That's but then at that point, you just wait. And then it'll be right. Again.
2: Yeah, it'll be right I, was, again. I was expecting Coriana to launch into a diatribe about time zones, being that she's from yeah, I do Michigan, not. Yeah, being that she's from <laughs> yeah. Michigan, and, and the people, the states that exempt themselves from time zones tend to be states on the far western edge of their zone. It's so like a lot of people look at Michigan and say, "Why is that in the Eastern Time Zone?" See,
3: I don't like the Central Time Zone because um, TVs and you know things on TV they don't adjust themselves to the Central Time Zone. They adjust themselves to all other time zones. You just have to watch it at seven instead of eight. That's my gripe with the central time zone.
1: As as but, someone with family on the eastern time zone and the Pacific time zone, central time works pretty well for me. <laughs>
2: as as a again going back to childhood here, it was I loved the that David Letterman came on at eleven thirty because it. I mean nobody as a kid or teenager would have been able to stay up to watch it at twelve thirty at my age. But you were. It was an amazing. People don't remember how popular David Letterman was when he first came on, and he wasn't as well-known. But it's like staying up late to watch David Letterman at 1130 if you could sneak it on a weeknight it was a glorious, glorious thing.
0: <laughs> um, okay, next week, Jacob, what are you keeping tabs on?
1: Let's see what happens next week. Well, i the, the first thing that comes to mind is whatever else the trolley puts out, um, and then what happens with the Kirkwood TDD.
0: All right, David?
2: Well, just the election results in St. Louis County and in Jackson County would be very interesting, and also the uh, Douglas Hill TIF proposal in Webster Groves is is a uh, should be made. I think they they might have one more public forum. They had a TIF commission hearing last night that I spoke at. and Our testimony, Coriana and I's testimony, is at showmeandsuit as always, and uh, hopefully the county TIF commission will will be rejecting rejecting this. TIF application as they have for some previously
0: and Coriana,
3: um next week this isn't really like a a current sort of topic but i'm going to be uh familiarizing myself with the idea of regulatory sandboxes kind of a new idea that's being proposed around the country so i'm going to spend some time um learning about that and then to be continued
0: Great. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. As always, there's plenty more at showmeinstitute.org. David, Coriana, Jacob, thank you very much.